gentlemen, welcome to Eat, Sleep, Suplex Retweet. Welcome everyone to Eat, Sleep, Suplex Retweet. My name is Gary Kernahan and I'm your host for this week and this week we will be reviewing the Royal Rumble. If you haven't done so already, please do check us out on social media. We are on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and YouTube at Suplex Retweet. And please do subscribe and check out our back catalogue on Spotify, iTunes and all good podcasting sites. Now, every Royal Rumble is carefully constructed with some key characters and spots, just like today's show and today's panel. So before we get down to business, let me introduce you to the panel this week. First, every Royal Rumble has an Iron Man. And here at ESSR, we have our own Iron Man. Two weeks ago, this man was in his sit bed, having come into contract, contact with some Dovious looking meat. <laughs> we know that he was in his sit bed. Well, I know he was in his sit bed because he sent me a picture. And all this photo confirmed is that he was surrounded by a mess and two balls of lube. <laughs> <laughs> He's all lubed up and ready for tonight's rumble. Welcome the Iron Man, Jack Graham. Jack. <laughs> Bet you're glad you came all the way from air for this. The amount of lube that I have in my room. It's a matter of between me and you, Gary. <laughs> <laughs> what happens there stays in there. Yes. You better watch out, America. Be in feature with that much. Photos and jam sandwiches go over. Oh, that's <laughs> Jam sandwiches, yes, exactly. Now, for the last two years, the Royal Rumble has been in a baseball stadium. So we have booked the person on the team who knows the most about baseball. It's Mr. Fourth Base. It's David Hockney. <laughs> Is that any way to talk to your double champion right now, Gary? <laughs> uh, you're not a double champion. Uh, t- uh, correct me if I'm wrong, am I not holding the 365 championship? Gary, please move on. What, we're like two minutes into the show and you've ruined it already, Dave. <laughs> Dave, no, two bells. No, you're not. Now, let's move on. Now, every Royal Rumble needs a job, or this person's very presence makes everybody else looks better. Please welcome our very own jobber. The Scottish big dog, Alan McLucas. <laughs> Is that all you've got? <laughs> I'm, quite, I'm quite disappointed, Gary. You've turned better in the car. I like you. <laughs> I like you. like me. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm that likeable jobber. Just like Jack's floater. <laughs> wow. Jeez. Uh. You like oh. my shites? <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's a shite! Not my <laughs> Now last but not least, every Royal num- Rumble needs a bit of comedy and needs a comedy character. This man's presence always makes me smile. He is our executive producer. He is the tulip in the ESSR <laughs> garden. It is Kwaku Aji. I'm not forever going to be known as the tulip. To me, yes. you will. <laughs> Look, it was a five-star hotel. No, actually, I stopped. Three weeks on, I still can't defend that hotel. I said, you still won't be able to defend it. Now, for anybody that's joining us for the first time in the show, we should say that Quacko had one job on the road trip to Blackpool 
and it was to book the accommodation and he failed miserably. Nope, I booked a hotel. That was my job. I'd done it. Yeah, yeah it wasn't up to standard. So but next time we There was only a five pound difference between the one you got booked and the one Gary had booked. Mm. It wasn't five pound. Anyway. <sighs> okay, team. Is everybody ready to rumble? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Well, before we can get into the actual Royal Rumble itself, we need to talk about the undercard. Now, since I was a kid, I always, I've always loved the, loved the Royal Rumble. It's always been my favourite event of the year. Mm-hmm. And before you can get to the good bit, there's always the undercard to get through. And I have memories of enduring what felt like never-ending matches between the big boss man and the barbarian. So heading into the Rumble this year, it kicked off with a street fight between Roman Reigns and King Corbin. The feud that felt like it would never end. And to be honest, guys, heading into this match, I really couldn't care less about <laughs> it. But I was pleasantly surprised. Alan, you're a big Roman Reigns fan. What's your thoughts of the match? I thought it was an excellent match, actually. Uh, slow build-up. Took a wee while to get going. But, um, you know, a lot of big talks and that. I love. And the, f- the fact that you get a lot of street fights, they don't often leave the ringside here. The fact that they're in this stadium fighting in the crowd in the dugouts was class and then the pops where Russo was turning up and Robert Brood and uh, Ziggler as well had a bit of everything it was really really good yeah it, did. it was a completely wild brawl Dave what, what what were your thoughts on the interference we've seen in this match as Alan touched on the Usos and Dolph and Bobby Roode getting involved it was kind of expected to be honest because all, all six of these guys have been feuding on Smackdown back and forth so it doesn't surprise me that Ziggler and Rude had a, a role to play in this, in this basically this massive brawl that just spread across the, literally the entire stadium. But the Usos' involvement, you know, they did some high spots off the scaffolding. I actually thought that that added to it a bit. Maybe just add a, an extra dimension of how crazy these just wild brawls can get. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, you're right, Dave. There was lots of good spots in the match. Jack, any of the spots that stuck with you? Uh, the, the jumping off the. Like in a standing setup, but the US was it was good. But I won't lie, I didn't like the match. Mm-hmm. I was I was I was boring, and the best bit of it was when the US was and Ziggler and Rude turned up, and that was that for me. Once their involvement was gone, it was rubbish. Just seeing like going into the dugouts of where the kind of the baseball teams would be, just climbing over the kind of canopy of that. I just thought it was crap. I mean, <laughs> crap. I was going to say toilet humour as well with the portal, but <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. that was I was quite enjoyable one. But the rest of it, it was just. I get why it was the opener. I kind of maybe got folk in the kind of right mood, but no, it wasn't. wasn't for me. What was it about about the match that didn't do it for you? Was it the the feud itself, the 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 characters in the match, or just actually the layout of the match? I think it was a bit of everything, to be honest. I've not been particularly interested in the feud even since it started. Also, I get why it got my way for the the title picture, the actual kind of way out of the match as well I don't know there's better I think there's maybe better places to have a false count anywhere than that baseball stadium Quacker you're a man that enjoys uh, comedy in mm-hmm. your matches you must have enjoyed the toilet spot oh I did the only thing I was disappointed <laughs> in was I, I was at least expecting because you know when you see in films where people are putting Portal lose, they always come out with like the blue. Well, chemical. that happened to KO when yeah, um, yeah. Strowman put him in the portal. Exactly, just the blue chemical or something, just to kind of say, yeah, the whole thing happened. I don't wonder if fans were using those portal before or not, <laughs> but it's, it's quite an interesting one. Um, the thing that Jack was saying is actually 
it's quite spot on because um, when you listen on our ESSR extra feed uh, to well take us back and then it's now back to the wrestling and um, they do struggle to kind of talk highly of their feud and also for consistently a month and a half a quarter of Smackdown type has gone to that feud oh, and it's n- can anyone really say that that's a feud you're going to remember for the rest of your years? No, it felt it's a feud to me that felt like it should have been blown off a while ago. Certainly, at the last uh, pay per view where Corbin went over in victory, I don't think any of us were really calling out for another match. But uh, hopefully, as far as I'm concerned, I hope that's the end of the feud. Does anybody else fancy seeing another Corbin no, Reigns no, match? No, no, no. There was actually a rumor going round that. The, the stipulation of whoever lost would have to eat dog food but I'm glad they didn't go with that because that, just, that would just be an extra layer of nonsense that they didn't need Yeah, I mean Jack touched on the, the street fight stipulation a little bit there um, you know if you could have picked the street fight uh, sorry picked the stipulation it seemed an odd one to me why, why Roman would have went for a street fight is there any thoughts on you know is there any other stipulations folk would have preferred to see oh it was kind of a bit of a, a slow burner, like Jack said, it was a very kind of slow burner, but you can see why it would be a good opener because, you know, it keeps the crowd, you know, going at a bit of a crescendo just to sort of end off the match. But I think when you've got, when you're inside a baseball stadium, I don't think there's anything else you could really top with it other than, you know, false count anywhere, street fight, you can make the most of everything you get into people interfering. I think maybe false count anywhere actually didn't mind it but it's just the fact it went on too long and it was a bit slow. I mean, it was a long match. It was the first 30 minutes, approximately 30 minutes of the show. I thought there were some really good spots in it. We mentioned the toilet spot, the, the announce tables. I was waiting for the Mung Eye joke. Never came. <laughs> uh, I quite liked the spear at the, on the dugout mm-hmm. at the end of it, but mercif- mercifully, the feud is over. See, on talk about stipulations, there were two that could have maybe worked, and this is this goes back to the whole thing of don't just make a pay per view and then fit a match around it. This is where you build the feud and then you have the match that suits it. So for mm-hmm. me, there were two uh, Iron Man match, but then would people want to see like half an hour of these two again in a solid match? But the key thing about the Iron Man was it bringing the elements of the Usos and the Kit Corbett's court and all that stuff mm-hmm. the other one is a hell in a cell possibly talking about stipulations there was another match on this show that had a stipulation attached to it that was Daniel Bryan versus The Fiend for the Universal Championship Alan come to you in the first in this one what did you think about the stipulation the strap match stipulation it was odd it was kind of good to see because the last one was in 2010 so it was the first time for nearly a decade they'd used it Um no, for the storytelling purpose, it worked. The fact that the fiend couldn't run away from Brian, they had you had to stay and face him. At times, it was used really effectively and really creatively. Other times, I just thought this is just becoming a bit of a farce with the whipping. How you can see the state of Daniel Bryan's back at the end of it, and then it just kind of I don't know. I get the, the, the fiend is supposed to be this almighty being and just comes out and doesn't stop, but the fact that he's getting whipped to buggery and he's just acting like so kinky you know I just <laughs> I was it I, 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 that to me that was the actual poorest match of the night 
I thought mm. um, I thought it was the poorest match of the night. Don't get me wrong, it's still a good match. I'm not saying it wasn't a good match, but I thought of all the matches, I thought it was actually the poorest. Certainly it was a hard-hitting match. Jack, how much would it take to, for you to let us whip you with one of those belts? <laughs> how much am I getting paid? <laughs> the double the fee you get for coming on the show. Nothing to do. Give him a Saturday night, is okay. I like the simulation, but it's it's not one that I want to see coming back anytime soon. It's uh, a bit. I don't know. It's just it's no it's no for me. I guess it was kind of nice just seeing it, but I'm not that fussed on either way. Yeah, Quacko. The last time I remember seeing a strap match, uh, the rules for winning you had to. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Apart from that, <laughs> you have to. The last time I seen one, I didn't. Per- the last one I didn't participate in. To win it, you had to touch the corners of the ring to win, which they they changed it up for this one. It was pinfall or submission. Do you want us to come back to you in a minute? <laughs> <laughs> Is this when you can start to go into the description? <laughs> we'll come back to you in a yeah. sec, yeah. Dave, uh-huh. uh, Alan's controversial view, I think, of the not be... Uh, well, personal taste, Alan, you're entitled to like what you like. There's some people that have written and described this as match of the year candidate. What, what do you think? I'm not sure... Could be could, could go down as match of the year, but I actually quite enjoyed it because the the storytelling in particular, you know, the fiend and Brian have been sort of having this psychological warfare kind of game and having them attached together with the strap. I think I think that was actually quite clever. And given that you know they were using it as a weapon so frequently, that's kind of what it's there for. And you know there were some instances I think you know Brian looked like he was going to pull off an upset victory, but. You know, the, the amount of spots that the, they were doing in that match, uh, you, you, I couldn't take anything away from it. It was something definitely worth watching. Mm-hmm. Quacky, mm-hmm. are you able to I'm compose good. a sentence? I'm good, now. I'm good. <laughs> Do you have a point to me? Yes. Uh, <laughs> now, <laughs> now, for me, um, there's one thing from the Firefly Funhouse that has made me watch intriguingly at The Fiend and in particular matches and it was a particular skit when Ramblin' Rabbit was basically saying there's one thing that The Fiend has got yeah. a weakness to and The Fiend basically murdered Ramblin' Rabbit um, so I was beginning to think when Daniel had the label lock with the strap on that does <laughs> we know what you mean <laughs> The label lock. I thought, I thought that was the weakness point. Somebody's just trying to against the brain. Oh, he has a pinky one, isn't he? I didn't know this joke was going to creep in. That was the only point in the match that I thought the outcome was ever in doubt. Uh, was when that move went on. It looked pretty devastating, but um, it was proper Fifty Shades of Grey with the the submission opening. But uh, Jack, when you were watching the match, did you was the outcome ever in doubt as far as you were concerned? No, I don't think it's. He's he's too hot right now to take the belt off. And if it went off, it'd be just a complete uh, turn from the fans. I think obviously. I don't think the fans would ever kind of go against Daniel Bryan being the champion, but when you've got the fiend and how kind of the streak he's on right now of what he's doing, I don't think you could have taken him off it. Let's talk about the finish of the match. Um, 
Alan, it felt to me that this match, you know, obviously there'd been huge amounts of punishment dished out and the the signs of them were all over Brian's body. Mm-hmm. But towards the end of the match, it looked like you know Brian was in a bit of a flow and the fiend applied the, the mandible claw and relatively quickly seemed to put Brian down for the three counts. What what's your memories of that? Yeah, I get the idea that the mandible claw is supposed to be so devastating it just puts everyone down. But it just didn't work for me. I just felt like if the fiend was going to put him down, he had to be more brutal. If he was going to go for the pinfall, or if he was going to just go for the mandible claw as a submission, fair enough. But it just didn't flow with the rest of the match. I feel I thought it was just a, a poor finish to the match. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. Let's move on to talk about the Women's Royal Rumble, so the third annual Women's Royal Rumble. And heading into this match, we had the opposite to the men's rumble. We had very, very few names announced. Interesting your view, guys. If is this a was this a good thing or a bad thing, Jack? For me, it was a good thing. I had to the kind of intrigue of who was going to turn up from NXT, who was the any like wedge and surprise or whatnot. It's kind of the unpredictability of what could happen is always the kind of most intriguing aspect of a Royal Rumble match. And they got that in point, but they maybe only had about four or five names announced for it. Yeah. Dave, what were your thoughts on the names that were announced in advance? Yeah, I agree. I think it was a good thing, like, not having too many announced. Because Rod SmackDown's women's division, you know, you could probably name a few names just to sort of say the least. But we talk about this on Wednesday Night Wars all the time. Like, NXT's women's division is full of the brim with talent. Cause, and you knew that NXT was going to make up a huge chunk of this rumble. So if you could feature maybe just NXT superstars, like... If, if you could fit the entire NXT women's division in that rumble, you'd probably fill about half the field straight away. So it was really good to know that you know NXT was getting a really good showing in this rumble. Mm-hmm. Alan, going in, there were seven names announced, I think, in advance. And then when you look at it, we had 11 appearances from NXT superstars. There were three legends that came back. It's not far off half of the, the participants, as Dave touched on. What were your view on the the NXT appearances? Uh, I thought they were all brilliant. Uh, they all played their part really well. The only one I thought was kind of poor uh, was Dakota Kai. But I'm not the biggest Dakota Kai fan, to be honest. Um, I thought she was quite poorly, but Bianca Belair, I put my hand up before and I said, I didn't really see it, I never really felt it with her before. She was incredible. She was the star of the show. Yeah. And I've seen a lot of people slate her, and I think they're off their head. I thought she was absolutely incredible. She, they're showing it. It's just a big push from this now. Um, you know, she was really, really good. Shayna Baszler as well. What a performance in five minutes. Um, I hope. I know the rumours are she's maybe going to Raw. I actually fear her going to Raw because I feel she's going to get ruined up there. I'd like to see an NXT even though just kind of conquered it, but every, every one of them did very, very well. You mentioned Bianca Belair, who uh, is certainly one of the winners to come out of this Royal Rumble. Eight eliminations, a new record for the Women's Royal Rumble. The Iron Women, 33 minutes, 21 seconds in the match. If the fans in that arena didn't know who she was going into the match, they certainly know who she oh, is yeah. coming out of the match. If they're not watching NXT, there's something wrong with them. Uh, Quacko, you uh, reacted when Alan mentioned Bianca Belair. You a fan? Big fan, and the person who I just like in in terms of all the women in Raw, SmackDown, NXT, she's my favourite. 
I, I just love her in every way. She's just amazing. Her character, the way she gets full sail dancing when she comes out, everyone just turns into a kid, starts dancing like they're in a Thug Life hip hop mo- uh, movie when clearly they're not. And just uh, her hair, her hair is just so over as anything. It's got a power on its own. Um, the whole EST, she's the best, she's the toughest, she's the strongest, she's the best. Uh, and she's just incredible. And this this sheer strength that she's got in her, and wow. You mentioned strength, so Dave, you're a big NXT fan, mm-hmm. the co host of Four Way Fatal, the most popular show on EST <coughs> Extra. Second only to Wednesday Night Wars, thank you very much. No, no, officially it's the most popular show. It is. <laughs> um, Fair play. So, <laughs> uh, Bianca Belair, the strength of that woman mm. is particularly impressive. Yeah, I'm, I'm also a fan of Bianca Belair. Maybe not necessarily my favourite on NXT as a whole, but, you know, I always wish big things for her, and this rumble was her star-making moment. You know, coming in at number two, you know, I thought maybe she'll last about 10-15 minutes, put in a decent show in, but nothing spectacular, but my god, she over-delivered, and now she's basically on a a big run of momentum right now because she's facing Rhea Ripley at TakeOver Portland. Mm-hmm. She looks like a legit challenger to Rhea Ripley now, so they've definitely painted Bianca in a great light, and now is tied for most eliminations in a single women's rumble. That's that's in the, the history books now. So it's it's a big moment for her. Yeah. Jack, going into this Royal Rumble, would you have put any money on Bianca Belair coming out of it as one of the MVPs? No, I was I was kinda of a bit of a, a dark horse in her that was maybe I never thought it was mm-hmm. I thought the same as with David saying I think she'd last that much when you got a couple of eliminations. If anyone, I thought maybe like Shayna Baszler would have done the Iron Woman, or even like Shotzi Blackheart after eliminating Shayna Baszler in the kind of battle royal they had in NXT. But I was very, very happy with Bianca Belair, but surprised nonetheless. We mentioned a couple of names. It was interesting getting your view from the NXT superstars that appeared. Uh, who else impressed? So we'll leave. Uh, we'll come back to Shayna in a bit. So we had Tony Storm, Zaya Lee. Candice, Mercedes Martinez, you mentioned Shotzi, Mia Yim, Tegan Knox, Detota Kai and Chelsea Green. Any, Quackers, um, uh, come to you first in this one. Any of those superstars make an impression to you? Um, Mercedes Martinez, uh, I love her. Absolute, she's just amazing. And um, after the two Mayla uh, Young classics, she went away and did, um, became proper freelance independent wrestler. Mm-hmm. She was even meant to sh- uh, appear at Fierce Females in Glasgow, but unfortunately, um, Virgin Trains messed yeah. up, and quite a few of the superstars were left down in London, including her and Session of Martina, so we never got that. So um, she's just always had presence about her, and when that reggaeton music hits, you start dancing, and she comes out, and you're like, oh, she means business. Yeah. Jim Ross has this, uh, I think, a famous saying now, talking about maximising their minutes. Dave, who for you of these superstars took their opportunity? Who looked like a star to you? Oh, I think Kwaku did it best. I think Mercedes Martinez was definitely uh, another standout. But one that, you know, really sort of caught my attention was Tony Storm. Like, Tony Storm's been everywhere in the last month. She's mm-hmm. had women's title match at TakeOver Blackpool. She was uh, at Worlds Collide facing Ray Ripley. And now... Survivor Series as well. Survivor Series too, yeah. And now she's in the Royal Rumble. So she's uh, definitely in demand. But, and I 
it's easy to see why, you know, she's a very well-rounded talent, but I don't know, I think she was kind of overshadowed a bit by the likes of, you know, say Bianca Belair and Shayna Baszler. But there's not really many others that really scream out to me, except maybe, well, I mean, Chelsea Green got a big grand entrance and all, but she didn't last very long and I thought that was a bit disappointing. She did make an impact for the time she was there. Mm. She got an, an elimination. I forget who she eliminated now, but was... Too <laughs> what bit, impact she yeah, forgot? Yeah, that's impact. <laughs> too, busy, too busy gloating and was chucked yeah. out immediately. I'm not buying into Chelsea Green as of yet, but mm. I think you need more involvement from Robert Stone somehow. Yeah. Jack, same question to you. Any of these superstars make an impression on you? See, I was going to say Chelsea Green. As the, purely the, the, the entrance, the kind of aspect of being part of the brand, that's like, oh, Robert Stone managed to get me into the Rumble, like, that's just going to do me probably in favour. I put the character, I can put the angle of what's happening with her into perspective, like, alright, this, this guy can mean business for the kind of folk that will come into his yeah. area. So, no, it was either her, Mercedes Martinez as well, so she did well. I, just them two, I think. Alan, I'm just going to flip the question around when we come to you, because there's a couple of superstars here that I was a wee bit disappointed then you mentioned the Tora Kai yep. I'm a huge Tegan Knox fan I thought Tegan would have got a bit more of a showing in it I thought Kai might have made a return to cost uh, Tegan because they've got a few yeah. going on but you know Kai was out and long gone before Tegan Knox appeared mm-hmm. we didn't see her come back were there any of the the names we mentioned that you were disappointed didn't get more of a showing uh, Chelsea Green they make this big grand entrance and you're average expecting her not to win maybe not to any but maybe take a few scalps she only took one and I happily stand correct because I'm trying to remember myself was it Tony Storm she eliminated? no that was Shana that was Shana she eliminated Tony but I, th- I was kind of you read a lot about it expecting big things and I don't think she even lasted two minutes no, you know which was really really quick really poor I thought and that you get a big pop and then gone you know I thought mm-hmm. I thought it was a a bit tragic, but one thing I would say is I disagree with the um, Tegan Knox. I thought she did a good job. She would, you could tell she was never going to really be one to take anyone out, but she had a pop, she did a bit selling, but a storytelling. I thought she did a really good job, but I agree with you, it was totally disappointing that Dakota was gone before she got in, because that, I think that place would have erupted if they two were left standing in the ring. Yeah, quack it. Yeah. <coughs> One thing I would like to highlight is there was a lack of NXT UK representation in here, yeah, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there are people that have come <coughs> out of NXT UK, but as in like active active now, and I was surprised that Kaylee Ray or like Piper Devon weren't included. Mm-hmm. That would have been cool, or Isla Dawn as well would have been. I know I'm just naming all the Scott block. <laughs> well, I totally agree because I, I really did think Kaylee Ray was going to make an appearance and mm-hmm. we were doing last year's draft, I was hoping for it. Yeah. <laughs> Tony Storm's still technically NXT UK, isn't she? She is. Yeah, yeah, but she's fighting... She's borderline. Yeah, she's yeah. fighting We are play at NXT TakeOver Portland. So no, that's Bianca. That's Bianca. Yeah. Oh, sorry, that's Bianca. Yeah. No, sorry, that was already happened, but... No, um, I can see why you would say Kaylee. <laughs> I can see why you would think with Kaylee because she was there. She yeah. wrestled the night before mm. and so on. Uh, like the the men's rumbles, and we've seen the use of legends uh, as a continuous theme in the women's rumble. Less as the years have gone on, we've seen three appearance this year <coughs> in the rumble. Beth Phoenix. Kelly Kelly and quite a surprise Mighty Molly 
Guys, what are your thoughts on the use of the legends in this match, Dave? Uh, very well uh, sort of spread out over the the, um, the entrance because I think Mighty Molly come out third. Yeah. You know, it kind of rem reminds you of you know when AJ Styles came out third as well in 2016. Like you know, it was a a really memorable moment. So seeing Mighty Molly come out as one of the first entrants, I mean, everybody's happy to see Molly Holly, obviously. But as her sort of superhero gimmick, it, it, I think it was a nice a nice change, and she got a really good showing overall. Jack, were you? Born when some of these people were wrestling? No, oh, I, don't think, I don't think I was born when Mighty Molly was about, to be honest. I, I was, I couldn't really mind, mind much. I just saw her come in and I was like, there's a Hurricanes message. <laughs> yeah. And that was about it. Uh -huh. uh, one that I was like particularly impressed with was Beth Phoenix, especially the parallels of like kind of going up against NXT stars, thinking, well, can we have a baby, a, a wee takeover match or NXT TV tape match with these folk? I was. Yeah. Mightily impressed with it. And Alan, Beth Phoenix got a really good showing in there. She was one of the longest in, in the Women's Rumble. Yep. I she did really well, especially the fact that she split her head open in the match. Mm -hmm. The first time I seen it, I thought, I don't remember her having red streaks in her hair, and then you just see it going and going, and you're like, oh, she's oh, that's, that's not that's not hair dye. Uh, she's got a slow release hair dye. <laughs> no, but at first I'm thinking, has she put an red streak in her hair? Because, like, you know, I didn't see her from behind at first, and then you're like, oh, but she was brilliant, and yeah, she shows she still got it, but she made sure everyone from NXT that was in with her got their moment to shine with her, and no, there was a passing the torch really to the NXT girls, and I thought she was absolutely superb. And we've seen, Dave, we've seen Beth Phoenix and Natalia tag team mm -hmm. for and work together yep. for quite a lot of this, but in true Royal Rumble fashion, alliances don't last for long, do they? No, they do not, and as evident with the men's Royal Rumble later on, but uh, yeah, Natty and Beth, I think they were having them as the Divas of Doom tag team go through, sort of keeping each other alive. They did really well, because I think they made it to the final four as well. But, you know, back to what Alan said about her going the distance even with her head split open, you could tell she was, you know, a bit dazed and confused, but fair play to her to keep going. And I think there was, I think Jack mentioned, though, there was that parallel of being the one of the commentators in NXT. I think it's really good that she actually got to mingle with the NXT women's division as well, because I always thought there'd be a time where maybe Beth would get involved, maybe with either someone like Shayna Baszler or Bianca Belair, you know, just to have a, a pass into the torch style match. But I think this was a really good substitute because that way she gets involved with everybody and not just one or two standout top heels, as it were. So, yeah, I mean, Beth, definitely one of the MVPs of this match. Yeah, absolutely. There were another couple of sort of notable moments in this match. One of them, for me, came quite earlier on. So we had Lana come into the ring at number five. And Captain Lana cut an amazing heel promo I mean I think some of her promo work has been really good recently uh, it's she, annoying but it's the effect that I mean, that's what she's supposed to do exactly isn't it? It is, yeah. and, uh, the wedding I mean the way she, she's this generation's oh, Vicky Guerrero I, yeah it's mm. a shout when you ask my six year old son Ollie about the wedding he says oh it went terrible <laughs> <laughs> It's his first w, uh, first wrestling wedding. He knows that if there's a cake in the ring now, somebody's going into the cake. <laughs> but Lana's uh, lover, Liv Morgan, appeared at number seven, and they had a 
physical confrontation. It didn't last long, but Jack, what were your th- thoughts on Lana and Liv coming to blows here? I liked it, but I was just so surprised it happened that early. Like, see when, it, when they first came out, and I was thinking it would not have surprised me if they were the last two at the end, when they had a current like, kind of storyline booking going. And that would have, I don't think folk would have been happy at that, but it just would not have surprised me. I just thought too early for the kind of moment that it could have been. Yeah, and Alan Lana ended up being the first person eliminated yeah. from the Rumble. Tragic. I love Lana. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but she got a, she got just she got justice back. You know, yeah. Liv was gone second later. <laughs> Why do people think it's a good idea in a Royal Rumble ever to go to the top rope? Oh, that happened quite many times. Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> everybody's like all doing high flying moves and want to get a good hit in. But I feel bad for both Lana and Liv because they've got very poor records when it comes to Royal Rumble matches. Because I think Liv was eliminated first last year and in like less than ten seconds, and Lana didn't even make it to the the Rumble last year. And so this year's not been good to them either. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. Following on from that, so we had Liv Morgan who made it fairly easy for her to get eliminated, but then there were a couple of superstars that seemed to pull out great feats to avoid elimination. The first one I wanted to talk about was Mandy Rose. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, super. Quacku, as a man that enjoys comedy in the wrestling, what were your thoughts on uh, Mandy's superstar? Because the way the camera cut um, with the hard cam. I didn't see the delay in Mandy going down. I thought, what's going on? That's a bit weird. Yeah. And then when they cut round and they just see Otis going, oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> like, on the ground, I was like, yes. <laughs> 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 it's like, oh yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. I was talking about question. making an impact. So, um, well, there were two guys saying that they should just hurry up and maybe one of them should just like, kiss or whatever and get done with but I've enjoyed this this little stint yeah Alan the men's Royal Rumble in particular Kofi Kingston has become synonymous with uh, with these feats to avoid elimination where does the Mandy Rose save rank watch one of the best ever actually because the way she went out I thought this is too early at first There's too, it's too early because she was doing really well and then you see her go, and then all of a sudden it cuts, and there's this quack and said, Oh, it's going, oh yeah! <laughs> and yeah, I was howling, I, I was nearly tears coming down my, my eyes. And I thought, This is class. And she just looked at me, he's like, Go get back in, and she's like, Okay! <laughs> Stay back in. That, brilliant. W- that wasn't the only time that Otis saved Mandy. Now, Sonia Deville got in the way the second time round. But, uh, Dave, what did you think of the Otis's? Second attempt to oh, save her. I actually, you know what? I get a lot of shtick from you guys about you know not liking the comedy aspect, but I actually really enjoyed this. Like, I would much preferred to have seen this and say something involving like Lana and Bobby or whatever, because that just seems so forced. This is much more natural, and you know the second attempt where he catches Mandy, but then Sonya sort of goes with him. Yeah. That, I mean, it was. I think it was a nice way of doing it because. You know, I think that sort of causes a rift between Manda, Mandy and Sonya and it's storyline progression, you know, planting the seeds for moving forward. But, you know, having Otis still on the outside, it made you think, how, how many times is he going to save Mandy before, you know, something goes wrong? So there, it definitely added a very nice sort of new twist to it. I liked it. Yeah. Jack, the, Mandy wasn't the only one going to efforts to avoid elimination. Naomi spent a huge amount of time outside of the ring 
and it's not the first time that she's done this. What did you think about her efforts to defy elimination? I like the initial kind of when she was kind of getting pushed and she ran down the steel steps and made the jump over to the barricade, just kind of like clinging on to get up. Mm-hmm. But I felt that it lasted too long in her being outside. I did like the part when she kind of went onto the tables and just kind of spent like a good couple of minutes just watching it. Just like, because probably you not, just buy, buy as much time as you can. But I felt that she could have got back in the ring sooner for like kind of being one of the veterans in the match. Mm-hmm. Like, I remember as well, like when she was on the announce table, like she was tempting the jump, and was like, no, can't make it, can't make it. And literally, I was screaming at the telly, use the cover as a bridge or something, you know, use. Yeah, that way you're still not touching the floor and it took her about a good 10 minutes that before she did it sometimes they break easily though as we've, yeah. we've found out so I, I thought no that's not a good idea but, but she made it must be a reinforced one yeah, yeah what, that, that was, one reinforced one it was, she grabbed the wrong one it was chairman and lounge table it's a good mix between sort of John Morrison in 2010 I think it was 11 11 sorry oh, thank you botch <laughs> Anyway, okay, <laughs> and also Kofi in 2013 with the, the pogo stick, with the, mm-hmm. the chair as a pogo stick. So it was a good mix between the two of them. I did wonder when she got onto the table how she was going to get back into the ring, and I did wonder if we were going to see a repeat of the pogo chair, but that didn't happen. Now, when I was mentioning legends earlier on, <laughs> I purposely omitted one, good, and good, good. it was the appearance. <laughs> of a winner of the Miss Wrestlemania Battle Royal for some years ago. This man had been rumoured to be in the Royal Rumble. We just all assumed it'd be the man's, the men's Royal Rumble, and it turned out not to be. It turned out to be Santino Morella was the first man to enter the Women's Royal Rumble, as he did in his, his alter ego of Santina. Dave, You've, um, in your Tinder dating days, must have come across a few t- uh, Santinas. <laughs> what do you... Wow. <laughs> what does that say? Um, what do you think of Santina's appearance in the rumble? You know what? I just rolled with it. Like, um, I was always under the impression that we'd see Santino in the men's rumble, but... Did you have any reaction at all? I was just like... Oh, you've got to be kidding me! Like, yeah. I mean, as if Santino and the mental was bad enough, we actually get something even worse. Uh, but the comedy spot was there. He kind of just eliminated himself with the Cobra, and he had the interaction because like, the he had the history with Beth Phoenix and Natalia as well. So I like how they played on that. But the way he eliminated himself, I just couldn't help but laugh. And I'm thinking, sure, whatever, I'll just go with it. You've made something so funny sound so boring and crap. And, and you've literally mentioned every part of the whole time yeah, he was in the rumble. He's <laughs> only talking about it. Left nothing for anybody else. Alan Jack. Oh, there's, there's not much to it, really. Yeah. Alan Jack, slightly different question for you guys then, since Hockley's talked about everything else about <laughs> it. Uh, good thing or a bad thing? I loved it. I thought it was brilliant. It was great. Um, you know, the comedy. I, when the Cobra came out, that was me. I was like, yes, yes. I really wanted them to just knock the two of them on their backside, just fling one of them out. But then he just goes like, goes out and he goes, nah, boom, and just throws himself off. Loved it. Yeah. It was just beautiful. Yeah. Quacker? Um, I've seen a lot on Twitter, people basically saying uh, there was, it was all wrong because that spot should have gone to a woman and stuff like that. And I can appreciate that, but at the same time, a tweet uh, our own Sarah sent it, which is actually quite yeah. true, is that this is the third one, it's time to have a bit of fun with it. 
and we have seen it uh, vice versa. We've seen Nia Jax into the men's yeah. Royal Rumble I mean, last yeah, well, year. It's different because there's always been the men's one, so yeah. you can appreciate it on that side. But it is now the third one. At what point do you now do you say let's let's stop making it like is this historic, historic, it's historic, historic, and it's just the norm which I believe a lot more people would want and if that's the case as long as it's not something stupid or ridiculous like that's just funny like yeah. just appreciate it I quite like to say as well I know there's only been three but this has been the best women's rumble by far it was absolutely it had absolutely everything you wanted in it mm. and at this point before the mains were came up I thought the mains was going to really struggle I just thought this was absolutely class and you mentioned that the Rumble had everything. Something I was keen to hear your thoughts on is did this Rumble have enough serious contenders to win it? No, Jack? No, no, there wasn't. Yeah. I could not, I told you before, it would have been a standout winner. Everyone kind of thought, oh, maybe it's going to have the reappearance of Ronda Rousey. I wanted Sasha Banks. Obviously, she screwed me over in many different ways. We didn't get her to come out at all. But no, nah, it was just there was a no one really knew what to expect in terms of being the winner. So it was that kind of mystery about the whole thing. For me, the moment that added some doubt in this Royal Rumble is when number thirty hit. I thought it was going to be Sasha Banks. It was Shayna Baszler who came out. That was the moment for me that added a little bit of doubt into the direction of travel of this match. And Shayna, as you touched on earlier on, Alan. She appeared, made a major impact, eight eliminations. She was in the ring for four minutes, 27 seconds. Yeah. This, give uh, your views on the impact of Shayna Baszler, Jack. Let's come to you first. What were your thoughts on Shayna? I liked it. I liked that she kind of just went tore the house off and just kind of got everyone out in that moment, kind of showed how much of a kind of bulldog she would be in the women's division. But she deserved more than four minutes. Mm-hmm. Four minutes and injustice to the character that they're trying to show, I think. Yeah, Dave, what did you think about Shayna's impact? Oh, I liked how they did it. Like, she comes out all guns blazing. She's been the most dominant competitor in NXTs for a while. And, you know, having her get so many eliminations in such a short space of time, I think it just asserts how dominant she'd be. And, fun fact, I think if she had gone on to win, she would have actually had spent the less time in the ring in order to win a Rumble, with the previous record being held by Edge. Alan, what did you think about the the finishing sequence when we had Charlotte and Shayna come face to face? Um, I think at that point we can predict who was going to win. Because up, kind of touching what you were saying earlier, you really didn't know who was going to win. But I did. I do kind of disagree with you guys. I thought there was a lot of pulling power to do this because Shayna, you had Natalia, you had uh, Charlotte, who obviously went on to win. You know, there was enough there. I thought. But at that point, when they face to face, it was that. It kind of felt like Hogan versus Andre. It had that massive WrestleMania feel, and you kind of knew it was going to go Charlotte's way. But you know, Shayna has that pulling power. You know, these are the top two women in wrestling. Becky's kind of taking a drop as we've all, all talked about recently. Yes, she's been great, but she's not the, the top woman in wrestling right now. These are the top two women, mm-hmm. and. For me, I would have loved to see Shayna win, and I have seen online, don't know if it's true or not, Shayna was meant to win and they pulled the plug at the last minute and swapped it. Well, that's on that point. So, Charlotte Flair was victorious. 
I felt the sequence between Charlotte and Shayna was too short. Yeah. I would like to have seen them to have a bit more time. It's just the two of them. But by looking online, it's quite clear her Charlotte's victory hasn't been universally welcomed by the fans. I, Dave, I don't get it. Let's come to Dave first. What do you think about Charlotte? Was she the right choice to win? Well, in, in a certain aspect, from my perspective, uh, yes. But from an outsider's perspective, <coughs> I think it was more of a safe bet because I think we, if you had Shayna come out and you know just go through everybody and win, I'm not sure a lot of people would have responded the same way like you know say Becky did the year prior because maybe not many people watch NXT and stuff. But I think it would have been a really nice surprise having Shayna win. But Charlotte definitely feels more like the safe choice. And I think it's sort of rectifying what was supposed to be the plan the year before until Becky's popularity just skyrocketed. So I think it's just a case of, you know, rectifying something they should have done the year before. Yes, we'll have a quick, quick run through the panel to see the same question. Kwaku, Charlotte, was she the right choice to win? Uh, yes, because what I hope is that at the NXT TakeOver Portland, she's in the ring challenging whoever wins, hopefully Bianca Belair, for a WrestleMania match for the NXT Championship. Alan, the right choice? Yes. I originally said, because I do feel Bianca, uh, so Shayna would have been amazing, but what I've seen online, they don't feel she has the pull power yet. This time next year, that day two came again, I'd be no doubt it'd be Shayna. It's interesting to say that people are saying Shayna might not have the pulling power because Shayna in the Survivor Series period was immense. She was. Mm-hmm. I, think she's, I think she's going to meet um, Becky at Mania, mm-hmm. personally. They planted the seeds at Survivor Series, it'd be stupid yeah. not to follow yeah. up on it. And just to round things off, Jack, Charlotte, the right choice? Initially, when I watched it, I was not happy, I was a bit deflated, but. After kind of watching it again, having a few days, I think on it, there, there couldn't really be anyone else. She had to win it at some point. <coughs> and with a match where there was no clear winners, why not? Mm-hmm. So Charlotte falls in the footsteps of Becky Lynch and Asuka and becomes the third woman to win the Royal Rumble. So we're going to pause here for a short break, after which we'll talk about the two women's championship matches and the Men's Royal Rumble, so please do stay with us. Hello folks, I'm Nathan Fisher. And I'm Chris Murray. Join us on the Monday Night Viewing as we look back on every head-to-head episode of Dowdef Raw and Dowdef Nitro. Find us on the brand new Suplex Retweet Extra feed, available on all good podcasting sites. I'm going to need somebody to come over here and pinch me. I'm convinced I've been dreaming for the past 24 hours. In San Antonio, it feels so good to stand here before you and tell you that the winner of the 2020 Royal Rumble, Drew, McIntyre! I'm going to WrestleMania! 
Now, I know some of the guys like to play games when they're in this position and draw this out. That's not my style. I think it's time we made a little announcement right now. I think I'm going to make a challenge. I challenge Brock Lesnar. Oh, wow. That is huge. To McIntyre and Brock Lesnar. Now I can tell you for a fact, most of the boys in the back are terrified of that man. Not me. When I walked in the ring last night, I looked into his eyes, you know what I saw? I can claymore this man over the top rope. That's exactly what I did. And you know what else I know? I'm gonna beat Brock Lesnar for the WWE title at WrestleMania. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. And we are back and we are celebrating the fact that Glasgow's very own Drew McIntyre is going to WrestleMania. Shark's taking offense because he's from air. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'll just say, like, Western Scotland's own. Okay. Western Scotland's own Drew <laughs> McIntyre is going to WrestleMania. Not even on about it, actually. He's from here. It's not as if he's from Glasgow. Hi, <laughs> keep it to Air's very own Drew McIntyre. Let's, let's hear it again. I'm great. We're going to move on. We're going to move on. Don't fight your boy. <laughs> so let's t- finish talking about the undercard, guys. So two championships match matches to come. come. The first for the SmackDown Women's Championship, Bailey versus Lacey Evans. Dave Hockney, what was your views on on this match? Honestly, I thought it was okay, but I think overall, you know, given that it came straight after the Women's Rumble, it was at a tough spot to fill, and it was a pretty sort of okay match. It wasn't anything really outstanding, and I don't think it really lived up to the hype. Given that you know there, there was a really solid feud, but not brilliant. I, I just don't think Lacey Evans is is as good as I thought she was going to be. that back. Yeah, you don't know what you're talking about. Well, it's... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> difference in opinion in the studio. So, a question I was keen to ask is, Bailey's heel turn, is it working? Absolutely not. No. No. She's aged about 40 years. She's got the worst haircut out. That's season you've seen Hawkins. And her theme music just doesn't work with her. It's just, no, just turn on Sasha, give everyone what they want, and come back and hug all the reins. Just get back to what you were yes. about. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> she needs a wrestling back! No, this is, uh, this is Karen, the, the soccer mom, her evil alter ego. Yeah. What do, Jack, what's your views of the, the, the build-up to this match? I, I love the build-up. I genuinely thought it was going to be one of the most entertaining things on the card see like I was like not knowing what I know now but like compound into it that was one of the things I was excited about because the kind of the personal aspect of Lacey's daughter and the kind of going up to the, the face of her during the times in the Smackdown episodes but then I just felt deflated when the match happened it was mm-hmm. oh. it's a weird finish as well yeah it was distasteful yeah the finish was incredibly weird wasn't it I, yeah. I can't recall a match so finishing yeah that, that contributed like that. to why it was a bit poor 
But certainly the audience were not into this match in the arena, and they were into everything the the whole whole night. Probably exhausted. It certainly was in the sort of let me up moment um, of the match. Was the feud, you know, latter weeks was it hampered by Sasha Banks' injury? Because Sasha was supposed to be, you know, facing like Evans a couple of points of SmackDown. The match never happened. Bailey came in to that. Not I, think, I think it actually put the focus on Bailey and Lacey, which was a good thing. And they had a really good storyline between, you know, uh, Lacey's a proud mom who's a, supposed to be a good role model for her daughter, and Bailey's like, no, I'm her role model, I'm the one she should Do you have to, to say mom like mom like you're American? <laughs> well, I'm wearing a San Francisco Giants hat, so I've got my American accent. Uh, it just slips out every now and again. Don't know what to say to that. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's only one Giants in America, and it's the New York Giants. Yeah. Uh, Bailey's heel turn, whilst we're not huge fans of it, Bailey's had a pretty impressive 2019. The only pay-per-view she wasn't featured on was the last one of the year. So pretty exceptional uh, you know, appearance rates for, for Bailey. but sounds like we're all saying Bailey face turn and finally move on to the match with Sasha Banks. Mm. Yeah, yeah, we need, we need to get that match out of the way. I'm, I am not a Sasha Banks fan at all. I've openly said before, she's there in nepotism. You can look at me all you want, Quacko. I'm not a fan of her, and I just feel like we all, everyone wants this rivalry. I just want to kind of get this rivalry done and dusted and get it moved on because yeah. I'm not feeling For shame. Mm. Yeah, but Sasha's a much more natural heel as well, so she has to be the heel going into it. I think Sasha's incredible heel, especially some of her work in NXT was exceptional. I think she is very good in the ring. I'm worried that Sasha's injuries are starting to build up and becoming much more frequent, which makes me worry for her. Uh, Alan, you said you're not a a Sasha Banks fan, but we do know that you are a Becky Lynch fan. You have the t-shirt to prove it. Let's talk about Becky and Asuka. This, to me, had a big match feel about it. Jack, what's your thoughts on the Becky-Asuka rematch? Uh, When I was on the Raw Report last week, with Ross McLeod, I spoke about how I had no interest in this match whatsoever. I feel that I think that's more testament to Becky Lynch's current title reign than Ask. I felt Ask has been the kind of redeeming part of it, but the match impressed me a lot. I was very happy with it. it felt everything felt right. It was enjoyable to watch. It kind of made of what was an underwhelming feud to me and spectacularly. Just like Dave, what was your thoughts? Yeah, I was really pleased how how this match went down. I think you had a again like with Bailey and Lacey, you had a solid angle going into it. But I think this match actually over-delivered in terms of, you know, Becky was trying to overcome that doubt that, you know, she didn't beat Asuka last time, she's not beaten her one-on-one before. And the ending alone, it was, and the pure emotion you see on Becky's face, it just goes to show how much, you know, she wanted to put into it and, you know, get a really good match, not just to win against Asuka, but get a really good showing out of it. And I think they both did really, really well. Yeah, Alan, heading into this match, the story was, I, th- I thought the story was told well in, in the sense of, can Becky beat Asuka? And we've seen Asuka obviously won at the Royal Rumble, she won in the ladder match, uh, the triple threat match just before that to become the SmackDown champion. She won in the ladder match at TLC this year with Kyrie in the match against uh, Becky and Charlotte. She pinned uh, Becky on Raw, so quite a lot of victories for her. I thought um, 
so that part of the story I felt was told well yep. what was your, what's your view in this story heading into the match it's a classic they've done it perfectly I couldn't really fault anything with the storytelling you knew Becky's one of the underdog she may be the champion but you're, you know there's no point in stories you're starting to believe that she can't beat her but as wrestling fans all knew she was going to do it she just had to do it you know but I thought it was done very cleverly and you know Asuka looked very strong even in defeat she still looked very strong uh, Becky really did sell the underdog part and struggling champion part well and then obviously the match itself was an absolute brilliant match and the way it ended it was just perfect thought it was a brilliant rivalry yeah there were some uh, parts of the match that really stood out to me there was a really wicked looking kick from Asuka to Becky which looked quite nasty mm. and uh, when it looked like and they, they convinced me when the referee was heading over like he was going to throw the X up or stop the match did any other spots in the match stand out for any of the rest of you? Uh, the missed spot definitely like yeah. she was going to go to mist and then she kicks up the way and the mist just goes up instead of down but I think they missed a trick there I think they could have got Kyrie involved and have Asuka missed Kyrie instead because like, I think that would have been been quite cool but apart from that I think they what they did with it it still worked pretty well Justice at the end to see Asuka lying in the ring with a, you know, her face was was a green mask by the end of it, wasn't it, with the the mist coming back on her? Aye, it was a it was a nice way to kind of end the feud. It was kind of picturesque of what Becky's kind of went through to be the one on top. Even the kind of the final look at the end when Kai's consoling Asuka with the mist on her face, Becky just kind of looks at her and just kind of sniggers to herself like I am um, the fucking mess and just kind of goes straight through <laughs> absolutely well let's move on to to what was the main event of the show that followed this match it was the men's Royal Rumble and this was a match to me that was really a rumble of two halves the first half was all about Brock Lesnar <laughs> yes. yeah. and his domination 13 eliminations Alan we know that you are the number one Brock Lesnar fan, the man oh, that I, named the mating call. I wanted to have a secret camera of you just watching all that, because I can imagine you hitting the roof. Well, I'll be honest, up until he went out, I thought this was honestly the poorest rumble yet. I, everyone was going the way I predicted, he's just thrown person out, but after out, but after out. I, you know, I was quite disappointed, you know, Rowan comes in, you think, okay, two big guys, let's see how this goes, he's out in eight seconds. I felt it was a massive disrespect to Keith Lee, the way it was done. You thought, with him coming in, you, a, bit, a bit of excitement, you're like, hang on, here we go, this is the guy Brock can he chuck about, this is the guy Brock can he have his own way with. And he's like, oh, big boy, and then he's like, who is this motherfucker? You know, yeah. you know that was, and he was really funny in that. And then they just disrespect him completely. Yeah, they kept him until Braun came in. But I just felt until Brock went, it was the worst rumble. You're jumping quite far ahead. There was quite a lot of stuff that happened before then, which I want to talk about. I can see, uh, don't respond to the Keith Lee comments yet, Jack. I can see you're desperate desperate to come in. What were your overall thoughts on the Brock Lesnar domination? I loved it. I loved it from the moment he came in. I loved it from number two all the way up to number 
15 when it was Ricochet that came in but it was, it was perfect I felt it needed that it needed to put over Brock as being proven the point there is no one up to the point that could have challenged him for the title anyway it would have been a squash match that's what he was kind of saying that like there is no one good enough to beat me and he needed that kind of first half domination to put over to a point and because of that that put over what happened later on has been being a bigger thing that instantly get the crowd in that person's side so I think it was absolutely fantastic yeah Dave yeah, I was a bit uncertain about it at first because I'm thinking, is are they literally going to do this the entire Rumble? But then when it sort of took about number 15, I thought, you know, that's when things changed. But for the Brock Lesnar run, the way it was it was done, I mean, that's typical Brock Lesnar booking. He is literally the unstoppable beast incarnate. So they booked him, I think they, they booked him exactly the way that they, they should have done, even, to, even if it was to the frustration of so many people. Alan. Um... Not alone. <laughs> yeah, like you and many others. But I, I just don't see how how they could have done it any other way because I don't think they could have got Brock out like too early on because he had to look strong as the WWE champion. But it, it was it was frustrating in some parts. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, Quacker, there were interested. I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on the people that were fed to Brock Lesnar. Though mm-hmm. some of them are unsurprising but some of them were Alan mentioned Eric Rowan 8 seconds John Morrison lasted 9 seconds Cesaro 18 seconds Nakamura 20 seconds mm-hmm. and Nakamura is an intercontinental champion uh, as well let's not forget and he won the Royal Rumble two years ago uh-huh. what were your thoughts on the people you know some of those you know that's a pretty impressive list thanks very much for adding that Chris Sutton mm-hmm. uh, anyway um, Chris. um, um when I was watching it, I, I could not help but think, this is rubbish, this is rubbish. And the reason why I was thinking that is because I have a certain level of mistrust with booking at the moment. And that's where that came in. I just thought, this is going to happen up until number 30. And I, like, I, I just wasn't really into it. I got a little win, like a win when Keith Lee and Braun Strowman came out effectively together, mm-hmm. and I thought, yes, finally. And then when they got eliminated, I just slumped again. And I guess that's clever on WWE's part because I was hooked, claiming, and sinkered into that, yeah, thinking absolutely. that's what they wanted. Mm-hmm. But before we got to Keith Lee, there were a couple of other spots there. Jack, we had the moment where um, there was a triple team on Brock and it looked like some of his nemesis from recent times were coming back on and we had Big E, Kofi and Rey Mysterio sporting his Batman gear mm-hmm. uh, team up on, on Brock what were your thoughts or memories of that passage of play? I think this was the, the probably the second best bit of storytelling in the match I felt it was the, kind of the two of uh, Brock's previous opponents before coming into the rumble so you had Rey and there was the Kofi Kingston when he won the title off him but I generally thought after Big E came in and there was Kofi and Ray, I thought Dominic was going to come in. <laughs> I thought the four I would try like kind of go. I thought I mean perfect. You've kind of got Kofi and his pal Big E from his team, and also you had what Brock did to Dominic coming over the barrier. I I loved it. Then I felt that obviously Kofi got a bit of his offense and he thought he was going to kind of redeem himself. But again, the quick the quick ish elimination needed to happen. So I've got I've got no problems there. What happened? Yeah. 
And we've heard comments about some of uh, you know Brock's offence. I mean, we've seen Cesaro hit Brock with five uppercuts, and then one of Brock's clothesline takes takes somebody out. Well, there was a moment when the three of them were in the ring when Brock made his comeback. He jumped on Biggie's back and took out. I think it was Kofi with a flying clothesline. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. that was a move set I never thought I would see come from Brock Lesnar. Something else. I didn't think I'd see was uh, Shelton Benjamin being one of the surprise entrants. That was a nice And then a little nice nod. Dave, do you want to pick up on that? Yeah, because obviously these two were University of Minnesota. They were former tag team partners in Mm -hmm. sort of college. And I like how they really sort of touched on that a bit because, you know, it just goes to show that WWE's not stupid. The fans aren't stupid. They've actually picked up something that, you know, those that have been watching wrestling for a long time, they'll know the interaction between these two. But you know, it was the old tradition, although every every man for himself and you know, he just gets chucked out almost instantaneously. Even when it looked like they were gonna team up, but I think it was a nice feel good moment to be honest, especially it was like, oh yeah, because these two were, you know, such and such. I think the best one from that wasn't even his interaction with Brock, it was the interaction with Paul Heyman before Heyman? going in. Oh yeah. <laughs> the kind of the, the thank you, it was like, Oh great please. Come on in. It was it was perfect. It was the kind of camaraderie of what was needed. It was, it was absolutely fantastic. See, look at that. That was actually. When he when he went into hug him as well, you could see the sweat literally just pouring off him. It was crazy. Yeah, he is a sweaty, sweaty man, <laughs> isn't he? Um, Alan mentioned. I'm like certain princes. Oh, oops. <laughs> Alan mentioned Keith Lee already. Uh, interested to hear the thoughts of the rest of the panel on how Keith Lee came across to you guys in the Rumble, Jack? See, like, I can't remember, was it Alan said that you weren't happy with how he was used, didn't you? I feel like he was quite disrespected through it. See, I thought it was exactly what it needed to be. I felt that, like, when you come out, you never think he's going to be one. At this current stage, still being NXT, he's not going to be someone that's realistically going to, like, bar. Brock Lesnar. Yeah, there's always that kind of intimidating figure. You had the standoff, you had Brock kind of commenting saying, who's this mother effort and whatnot, and calling him a big boy and that, but right, realistically, he's not going to do nothing to him. Aye, but you still expect, I wouldn't expect him to go out that quickly. I'd expect him to stay in a good five, ten minutes before Brock gets rid of him. You know, that's. I was going to say, Keith Lee is so over with fans. Yeah, I, was, I was quite happy with it because again, it, it kind of, again, it got folk on the side of hating Lesnar, like. You took out one of my boys. It was at that point, like, because throughout it there were some na- so many names that I wished would come out, but it got to that point where I was like, I hope they don't come out. And that's people up to including, like, Walter, for example, who'd have been amazing just to have him coming in and chopping the life out of Brock Lesnar <laughs> just to leave marks on him and stuff like that. You're like slapping a puzzle. <laughs> Dave, what was your reaction when Keith Lee, you're a big NXT fan, yep. when Keith Lee came out? Yeah, we're big fans of Keith Lee on Wednesday Night Wars. Um, I'm actually glad he got his moment in the Rumble because you know he's very, very popular, in, not just in NXT, but I think universally by the, the WWE audience. And you, you hear the fans chatting the old basket is glory and stuff, so he got the reaction, and I think that was the, the big moment. But having the, the standoff with Lesnar, that, I think that was a moment in itself. And... I'm just glad he actually got to last longer than, you know, sort of say the first sort of five or six people that came out. He certainly carried himself, in my mind, Lee carried himself with credit mm. and maximised his minutes, I agree with you. He definitely the, didn't look out of place. The spot of them all. All that we went through, the 13 eliminations one after another, all, some, some really big names, it all led up to a point. 
and I can see the argument that it maybe went on too long, but when it happened, when the payoff came, that crowd popped and it made Drew an even bigger star in my views. And he got the help with uh, the special assistant Ricochet who kicked Brock in the balls. <laughs> uh, Alan, that's something I presume you'd like to do is kick Brock in the balls. Absolutely. I'll go and get my steel boots in there. <laughs> but t- talk to me about your you know, reactions and views when uh, how did how did you guys feel when when Drew Claymore kicked the beast over Thing the top of rope? I like a picture of frame it, put it up on my wall. <laughs> it was just absolutely sensational. The only small critique I would ever have about this, I'd have liked to see the two of them square off. Because I was just saying to you, you say I was guys up you know, before we came back in the break there. If this match at WrestleMania, they cannot have Drew, like Roman, getting flung about and getting being stupid. He has to go toe-to-toe with Brock. And I was really hoping we were going to get to see a bit of that. But then it's kind of touched with Clark you said earlier. But that creative, you know, in the, the booking, they would have done it. That wee tease. Mm-hmm. He's done the good things, get rid of Brock. And I just, I'm buzzing for that match when it happens. Yeah, the three I think, thing. see, the face-off, it wasn't needed because if you look at, if you think back when he got Claymore kicked over, the stare-down they had when yeah. Rob was on mm. the ground, that was, that's always needed. Yeah. It was perfect. Mm. That was a really nice spot, I thought, Quacko, because Drew didn't take his eyes off him. I kept mm. waiting to see Brock run back in the ring, and it mm. never happened. Mm. Dave, what was your...? Yeah, there was a moment of anticipation where you thought, oh, is Lesnar just going to go crazy and just go mental on Drew but the fact that Drew didn't take his eyes off I mean he was anticipating that something like that would happen and the fact you know Brock was outside the ring for a good sort of couple of minutes and he's just slowly walked off you could tell that something was going to happen between them whether or not like, no matter what the outcome was <coughs> Jack I was interested in asking you about Brock's selling that happened in this match I think this is the best work Brock's done in his kind of recent mm-hmm. tenure yeah. and now the sell was absolutely fantastic any even like with Cesaro I mean they were 18 seconds when he was kind of fed the other cuts he made it seem as if they were like they are quite a good amount of hits even the, the way he took the claymore kick I'm not seeing anyone take a better claymore kick than what he did I thought it was absolutely fantastic and clearly he must have enjoyed himself as well even when he saw the folk coming down, that he was seeing he was kind of able to interact a bit with everyone. Well, he was dancing at one yeah, point, which yeah, I didn't yeah. laugh at. So, no, I think... I think... Credit, credit to Brock Lesnar, where it's true. It was a fantastic, fantastic job all round. I will say, as an avid not fan of Brock Lesnar, it was his best WWE performance for me. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, let's move on to the second half of the Men's Rumble, which you could say became after the beast was slain it became more of a regular Royal Rumble and we had a couple of surprise entrances that came but I want to talk about the return of the rated R superstar no, 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 say it properly yeah, say it with the high pitch voice I can't do that <laughs> no, can I do it or do you want to do it so you can do it let's not ruin things <laughs> uh, so I, I admit I jumped out of my seat cheering when this happened Alan I screamed I jumped up on my shouldn't, I might have not landed my sore foot but I, might, I did jump and I screamed on this day and I sung that song out all I had and I absolutely loved it Jack it was rumoured that Edge could be coming back mm. his appearance at number 21 threw me a little bit 
if it'd be number 30 um, you know you might expect some more but I was just interested in your view and the timing of his his entrance yeah I thought the, I thought the timing was weird but I guess they wanted to show that like he can still be there he's not yeah. needed to be there for a three minute spot maybe that was ready to kind of show us like, oh there's story to what's happening that's where I kind of saw him and uh, Randy Orton kind of teasing a bit of rated RKO from back in the day yeah. I think this it was kind of it allowed fans to think wait a minute he's going to be here for a bit longer he's not here just for a one off mm-hmm. so I get the 21 number entering mm. yeah. yeah number 21 was a real sort of shock factor because you know when you think number 30 you think oh this is going to be somebody huge but you wouldn't you wouldn't think of that you know sort of say around like just any random number somewhere in the middle like I think that's what made it even more shocking yeah and what did you think Dave of the rated RKO I love that like rated RKO were fantastic like they were fantastic 13 years ago and they're still fantastic now because you clearly see there's a ton of respect between the two of them they're like really well, close not so much on Raw this week but <laughs> well, no but you, like just seeing those two back together you know this was something that I think fans have been fantasy booking for a while like what if Edge came back we could do a Rated RKO reunion and this time maybe we can do it even better than before I think this gave people a lot of hope like to know that you know Edge is back think of the possibilities that could happen and this is one of them yeah, another surprise entrant we had, which came during the Lesnar dominance, was MVP. A surprise return, in my book. What did you think of him, Dave? Kind of spoiled online a bit because somebody posted. Well, somebody like had a view of the Titan Tron inside the stadium, and MVP's Tron was on it, ah, right. and it was spread. It was circulated around social media, thinking, "Oh, is MVP going to show up?" So it kind of took away the hype a bit, but still nice to see him. Well, saying that, I mean, the Edge one, that, that's the thing that did annoy me. It's because uh, I can understand why they release it, because from a journalistic standpoint, if they get a scoop like that, they would want to release it so that they get the views or whatever. But however, me as more of a wrestling fan, it did annoy me, because the source it came from is a lot of user outlets out there, they like to throw... Uh, floaters at the wall and see which one sticks <laughs> um, and then just say Bastion Booker's coming back and all that kind of stuff Is and, it? <laughs> and also Edge put stuff up himself I know, he but put that picture of him looking at his ring gear but that's purely because of all the if, if there was if nobody had if none of like PWI inside or all them people had said anything I doubt he would have done that I mean last real big pop secret pop really was the Hardys coming back to WrestleMania 33 mm-hmm. that was the last big one yeah mm-hmm. think about Definitely. it I mean the noise in that arena oh, when it came out has anybody seen the, the video it's gone a bit viral of the guy uh, near the entrance wrap the Scottish guy yeah, that was fantastic no, that and he goes goes crazy when it comes <laughs> when the music plays <laughs> He was expected it to be Seth Rollins as well, who we'll talk about in a moment. So it looks like Edge and MVP from some things are both going to be sticking around for a while. Edge certainly looks like he's going to be a bit longer signed a three-year deal with WWE. Fantasy booking, guys. Where does Edge road to WrestleMania go? Where would you like to see it? Could be him and Norton. Yeah, it has Is to be. Is that what you would like to see? That's what well, I want to see, but I can't see it being anything else right now. Uh, I mean, he could get like a... A match in Super Showdown in a couple of couple of weeks. That'd be too quick. I think after what happened on Raw, I think he needs to sell that injury. It's been. Uh, mm, he'll look on like back at it. Still, maybe put Chertel in I think yeah. three, four weeks before Mania before we see Edge again. Mm-hmm. I don't think he'll be Super Showdown. I think that's. I think that's well, could have been something that might have been like maybe in 
well, and a contract or so. Yeah, because rumor, I think the rumor is he's got a three-year deal, but he's only scheduled to make special appearances. He's not going to do like weekly tapings, yeah. like weekly matches, as it were. Jack is less is more the way to go with Edge. Yeah, obviously you don't ever want to see in a position where he's like going to have to get triple fusion neck surgery again or whatever. No, so absolutely not. It's kind of the kind of kind of Brock esque deal that he's got is probably the kind of perfect one. It's one that fans understand and one that kind of is needed for him. So I think was I read something it's like he's scheduled to wrestle five matches a year or something like that I mean like 20 odd TV appearances so like you're still going to get plenty of plenty of edge to see so it's like you can't you can't really complain about it mm-hmm. unlike the women's Royal Rumble the men's Royal Rumble only had two NXT entrants was that a surprise to anybody Dave? a little bit yeah but at the same time you know, a lot of the NXT talent had competed at Worlds Collide in the previous month. Like, I was expecting, obviously, an appearance from Keith Lee. Previous day. Previous day, sorry. Botch. Uh. Right. One piece, that's enough. <laughs> uh, I would have liked to have seen maybe Pete Dunne in there as well, mm-hmm. like he did the year before. But Matt Riddle as well. I mean, I think he was kind of expected to. Yeah. Alan, what did you think of Matt Riddle's appearance? It lasted 41 seconds, eliminated by King Corbin. Not great. I mean, I mean, I know we all talk private and they've seen online. We're really hoping Matt was going to be number two and get him and Brock on the showdown. But to get eliminated by Corbin, who'd already lost heavily that night, it just didn't go down very well. And I know there's a part of heat on him backstage. I don't know if that's played a part in that or not. But, you know, I just, for a guy who's that good, I was quite disappointed in how he was treated. Jack, this was an absolutely loaded Royal Rumble. The, heading into it, there was a whole load of names announced, and subsequently a couple of them got taken out. Heavy Machinery, um, Rusev and Lashley, which freed yeah. up some slots on it. But you got to just build on Alan's point. If there was heat on Matt Riddle, surely the answer would have been not to put him in the Rumble at all. Yeah, I, know, I think there's kind of... Maybe they want to see this fact, like make an example of him, in a way, as in, like, well, if you're going to try and test... Brock Lesnar, this kind of untouchable person backstage, then we will put you in your place. So I get it. I didn't, even when he came out, I didn't think he was going to last long. I just, I don't know, I just had a feeling I was like, oh, he's just kind of there. Okay. Which is a shame. But no, I agree, but I, I was expecting more than 41 seconds. Aye. Quacko, was there any, for your money, any NXT superstars that could have and should have been in the Rumble? Uh, for the sake, well, that's, that's a thing. Um, for the second part, I would have maybe like to have seen um, what's his name. I was about to say punishment Martinez, showing you how much of an indie guy I am. Um, Damien <laughs> Priest. Priest, yeah, I'd love to have seen him. Um, maybe Champa. Maybe Champa mm, would have been. See, there. Champa was a sleeper pick for me to win because I thought that was going to be a redemption story to get Goldie back. Yeah, mm. maybe, well, bad maybe Balor. I'd like to have seen Balor come back. Mm. That's that's actually that's absolutely spot on, especially because Balor has been a previous uh, man. So yeah, it's weird that he wasn't in mm-hmm. this this year's Royal Rumble at all. Not at all. Mm-hmm. So, number thirty in the Royal Rumble was Seth Rollins, and he did not come alone. He came out with the AOP and Buddy Murphy's full stable stable that have yet to be named, as far as the, I'm I just calling them the Messiahs, Messiahs. <laughs> the disciples. Yeah. Um, it's interesting your view about the impact that Seth and his cronies had on the match, Dave. 
Yeah, obviously they had to obviously counteract against Kevin Owens and Samoa Joe, who were 27 and 29 respectively. <laughs> the, there was definitely they're still trying to build the storyline for that in between, and the interaction that they had on the outside. You know, they when Joe and Kevin both got eliminated, they had the massive brawl on the outside. I was hoping that you know maybe Seth Rollins they'd have a a Stone Cold esque uh, moment in 1997 where you know Seth Rollins gets eliminated but all the refs are too preoccupied to see it mm-hmm. um, but no they, they kept it simple and they just continued with the, the storyline in its simplest form and then that obviously led to the final five mm-hmm. uh, Alan um, so Seth arrived quickly and with the help of his team they took out Alistair Black Saboa Joe Kevin Owens there was a bit of a brawl to the back which then mm-hmm. took away uh, the the helpers for Seth Rollins a little bit of storytelling scene continuing yeah. through which WWE haven't always been great at no they haven't but it was really good to see and then you think who was left you know take Edge out of the equation for a moment because he just came back that's four of the biggest stars the company has in the ring there so they've actually done a wee bit of you know, dream matching there people want to see what's Roman going to do against Seth considering he's had to change you know we kind of got that for a couple of minutes and I thought it was really cleverly worked and well done and executed yeah I mean that final seven is pretty stellar lineup. Yep. Roman Drew Edge Orton Seth Black Oak Samoa Joe Kevin Owens eight sorry Jack after this melee had all left away Seth was left standing the Monday Night Messiah found himself standing in the ring the centre of the ring and in each of the four corners where the opponents a little bit of uh, justice served yeah I feel it's kind of it's played up to the character he's kind of personified now very well it kind of showed that he's he's turned his back on everyone but he doesn't really see it that way and then he's kind of he's willing to like stab folk in the back then he kind of went to Rome and went oh come on look we're buddies <laughs> yeah put your fist out come on yeah fist bump me and uh, <laughs> but no it was kind of it was very telling it was a it was a very good way to eliminate him I feel like everyone just ganging up on him as he feels if everyone has turned his back on him and that'll play further into the raw episodes to come so he took a hell of an ass whooping at the end Alan before oh, he, he got did. thrown out didn't he he did and it was <laughs> in a way you see from a story perspective you're like yes harder I'm harder you know you wanted him to get a real kicking before he threw it so it was great for a story a storytelling perspective it was really well done yeah so, so after Seth was eliminated it left us with our final four four faces as it currently is Roman Reigns Drew Edge and Orton I've killed and Drew as a face because the pop he got after he kicked uh, Lesnar out the ring there was no you know they weren't going to boo him the rest of that night what did you think of the final four? I thought that it was a pretty perfect final four especially kind of the couple of weeks before you kind of had Drew Orton and AJ Styles were kind of like a mini feud of strangers that will win against the Rumble and I'm going to win it obviously AJ hurt himself and maybe it was kind of audible to get him out a bit earlier but for having Drew and Orton there kind of from a story perspective it made sense Roman was always kind of given he was going to be in that final four no matter where he was going to be and Edge as well I felt like that was WWE telling you he's here to stay he's going to be a prominent part of what we're wanting to do so I thought it was perfect from what from what was available Edge and Orton were eliminated and it left us with Roman and Drew. Alan, where did you think WWE were going to take us? Honestly, I thought they were going to get Roman to throw out. I really did. And I'm at the edge of my seat and I'm screaming for Drew. 
tried Scotsman at Abu Gubra I'm screaming for Drew to kick him out just put him out but he didn't put him out but he got him out <laughs> and uh, I was over the moon I was kind of shell shocked it was kind of like the guy used to mean for uh, Lesnar take it 30 kind of like that <laughs> that was me I was, I was shocked for about maybe 2 or 3 seconds then screamed because yeah. um, it Give you real emotion, and it's been a while I think since we've had real emotion in wrestling mm-hmm. to see, you know, the guy who people have been saying for ages. I mean, he's getting tipped by Hogan, The Rock, Stone Cold. They're saying the events. That's your man, push him, and now that he's finally got that recognition, it was, it's absolutely deserved. And I, I also think if Roman did win, I think they would have rioted. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Dave, was it the right choice? Absolutely. Well, not only for the fact that it helped me with a uh, oh, sh- oh, shut up, but no, I'm, I'm in the same boat as Alan. Like I was cheering on uh, fellow countrymen, like to see him surrounded by like obviously past Rumble winners as well. Like because Edge and Roman have won one, Orton was a double winner. You thought he, he did look a little bit out of place, but then I think this is his moment to really make like if if kicking Lesnar out wasn't a big enough moment for him, this is like going to establish him as as a top guy. And I actually thought for a moment when Roman and Edge were on the outside, he was going to claim more than both off at the same time, and then that would be the finish. But having that little bit of anticipation, you know, Roman gets back in, you think, oh no, we're going to give Roman a second win. But it, it echoed so much of Nakamura's win in 2018. Like, Reigns looks like he's about to hit the finishing blow. Drew comes out of nowhere with a claymore and then throws him out. It, it reminds me so much of Nakamura and the pop when he, when he won. I had the same reaction when Nakamura won, except this was like amplified ten times over. Mm-hmm. This might be a controversial question to throw out there. Cause I think you're all going to. I know what your answer is going to be. But did Drew need this win? His match with Lesnar was already set up from earlier in the night. No, but cement. So, like, yeah. it just adds that extra layer yeah. of cement. See, obviously, with the final two being Drew and Roman, it was at that point I kind of thought. Yeah, well, they can't have Roman Reign now that Drew's still in the final two and he's eliminated Lesnar. I didn't think Drew was going to last as long to get the final <laughs> four. I thought his time would be eliminated Lesnar, and that's it. See if, see if it was Drew and Orton that were the final two. I think Orton would, like, at that point, moment I watched it, I thought Orton would have won it. But because it was Roman, I was kind of like, good, we are going to get Drew as a winner. I did expect uh, McIntyre to be the Iron Man of the Rumble. Uh, I didn't expect him to get to the, the very end. I thought he'd have been like see where KO and Joe went out. I thought Brown about there just before the final four. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was deserved. No doubt. Absolutely. And we will all be cheering him on at WrestleMania, no mm-hmm. doubt about it. Mm-hmm. We'll go uh, this Royal Rumble is packed full of highlights, packed full of moments. Let's go around the table and find out from the panel what their Royal Rumble highlights or highlight was Jack start us off what was your rumble highlight when you look back at the event uh, I would say the full men's Royal Rumble match itself and the end that involved Otis and Mandy <laughs> they're, my, they're my personal highlights of the match that was the kind of funny side that was needed and this for me I've not quite decided yet but either this or the 2001 Royal Rumble match either my favourite match Royal Rumble match Royal Rumble match, Royal Rumble match of all time what was the one? 2001. 2001. Alan, what was your Rumble highlight? It's got to be Drew eliminating Brock and then Drew winning. That, that, I get the oldest thing was brilliant. Uh, 
you know, there's a lot of good pops as well and segments in the Women's Rumble and even in the undercard. But just because a biased Scotsman, it's got to be Drew. Dave? Well, since the Drew wins already mentioned, I think the other moment that stood out for me was Edge. Edge coming back. Like, and I think Michael Cole summed it up best. It's been nine long years since we've seen that. He comes out, he looks great. The fans go absolutely ballistic for him. And all the possibilities that are running through people's heads, that makes you think, Edge, you know, he lasts to the final four. He's here to stay. Imagine what we could get out of him in 2020. Like, this is setting up something big. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Quacko? Um, well, all what's said, um, another two things I would add to it was Naomi's return, because, wow, I, I was surprised to see her back, and I was so happy. And she got a huge pop as well. And Bianca Belair's performance was just, yeah, EST. I mean, there are so many moments in this Royal Rumble, <coughs> which points, you know, if WWE can continue to book like this and they can give us a WrestleMania that follows on from this, I think we'll all be happy. It's great to be able to say we've come out of Royal Rumble and we are happy and excited about what comes next. And there's so many moments. I mean, Brock eliminating Drew. Sorry, the other way around. Uh, Drew eliminating Brock <laughs> was a moment. Uh, the Edge comeback was something, something special, and so many highlights on the way through. Well, folk, I think that's going to do us for this week's uh, episode of Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet. All that remains is for me to thank the panel this evening: David Hockney, thank you, Alan McLucas. Jack Graham. Thank you, thank you. The wonderful Kwaku Aji. Oh, you flirt. Kwaku, can you believe we've almost got through an entire show without me mentioning Viscera? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I actually forgot. <laughs> thank you so much for joining us, folk. We hope you've enjoyed our review of the Royal Rumble and that you will join us next time. Good night. Stop whatever you're doing right now. You've only got one choice. This is Billy Kirkwood. You know what you should be doing? You should be going online. You should be subscribing. You should be listening to the back catalogue of Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. Get on it!